0: i'd have to say probably the funniest thing that i've heard since this corona and covid nonsense has started is the fact that prisoners have it easy it makes me laugh when people are saying in the news or you see in memes oh the prisoners this is nothing you know locked up in your cell it's easy this is this is the easy part right like It's so hilarious when people say that, because in reality, you know, it's all the same. You know, it's all the same when you are told to just lock down and stay locked down, regardless whether you're in jail or out. The feelings are the same. That's what people don't understand. You know, you once you're told that you can't do something. There is inevit- it's inevitable that there's going to be some feelings that come along with that and number one feeling that is shared between people on the inside and outside is 100% depression depression runs rampant in prison because guys are being told what to do and told not to be themselves you're not even a name, you're a number how could you be happy and Basically, that's what we all are going through right now. We're all just numbers. Social insurance numbers. So you can get your free government money. Right? Stay inside. You're not an employee anymore. You're a statistic. Right? This is what we get to. These things happen. And that's exactly what happens to the men and women that are sitting inside the prisons become numbers. Anyways, my name's Mike Olton. I am a 44-year-old man born in 1975. I love to stay inside and write and create video and do all that stuff and stay inside. But you know what? I thought if I'm going to start another podcast, which is going to be this audio podcast, I'm not going to do this from inside where I'm comfortable. I need to get out and do it where I'm the least comfortable And to some of you, this might be a shock coming from a British Columbia boy, but for me, it's going outside. I never knew the value of walking in the bush or going outside in the woods until the COVID-19 virus came. Until then, I had poo-pooed and shunned the outdoors because I thought that was for tree huggers and granola eaters, you know, and do-gooders and dog walkers. But now I realize the value of being outside, man. And it was shown to me by a friend of mine named Ryan Phillips who uh, shared with me, you know, just the connection that he had with the outside and, you know, how it changed him. And I was like, meh, I don't want to do it. And then I started going on hikes and I started realizing there's extreme value here. And the number one thing I realized is how it gets your brain going, how you start thinking differently, you know? Uh, I've, I've made some videos uh, on YouTube that you can see about changing your life and about changing directions and about getting inside your own head. And with these audio podcasts that you hopefully are going to subscribe and listen to, I'm going to talk more about the psychology of being a professional inmate. Now, when I say a professional inmate, I mean, a prof- this is what a professional inmate is. A professional inmate is somebody that you can take in, in prison anywhere, and they adapt. They are people that go into prisons or into, you know, any, anywhere in the world. I mean, I've been to jail in five countries, and I'm still walking and talking and alive without being shamed <laughs> or raped, right? So, you know, I'm a professional inmate, and there's a lot of people who are listening to this that are probably the same way as well. So you can put a pro in me in any setting, and they thrive, right, and survive. And, you know, that has been my whole thing, my whole life, is that I've had to learn how to adapt. And I've, I've been in and out of prison probably, well, no, it's for sure. Out of the 45 years I've been alive, I've been in prison for 15 of those years. So a third of my life has been sent, spent behind bars. And it wasn't until I hit my 30s, late 30s, that I actually started getting it and realized that I'll never go back. And we're going to talk about how a guy does that in later episodes. We're gonna share, I'm going to share with you a bunch of secrets and inside stories on our federal penitentiaries and also share with you some stories about some federal inmates and other criminals that I've known in my life. I'm going to try not to drop names because I don't want to out anybody, but I'm going to tell you stories, hopefully, that resonate with you, and in the end, kind of teach us a lesson on whatever it is the podcast episode's about. And today, five minutes in already, I want to talk to you about the uh, the theme of these podcasts. Uh, The theme of the podcast is called, well, the the podcast is called Prison Rules for a reason. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through, each episode is going to walk through a different prison rule or lifestyle code that people live by, and I want to teach you how you can apply these prison rules or these lifestyle, prison lifestyle choices to your own life to help you maybe recreate yourself or... Uh, Get to another level in your life that you don't think you could have achieved, right? All of these are from my own experiences of failing, getting back up, failing, getting back up, getting back up, getting back up, right? And finally getting to a point in my life where I have shaken the old bad behavior and the old mentality and created a new way of living and a new way of thinking, right? And it all comes down to setting rules for yourself. So in this first episode, we're going to talk about prison rule number one, which is keep to yourself, don't be a rubbernecker. Wow, and walking out here uh, in the bush, the beautiful shades of green that you don't really get to see on a TV. When you're watching a TV and you see forest, you don't really see all of the beauty that is green out here so this is really nice about four or five different shades of green I see well I'm a professional uh, Xboxer, boxer and uh, that was a long time ago and I lost it all due to going to prison but when I was in prison I picked up writing and writing was the thing that allowed me to escape it allowed me to escape all of the BS in jail because there was a ton of it and all the rules that were either good or bad I got to escape it and, you know, after after living in there for you know, 10 years, I did a 10-year sentence straight in a uh, federal penitentiary here in, M- in Matsque. I did three, almost three years in a Mexican prison and then did the rest up here in Canada. And I noticed that the rules were always different. And, uh, you know, the way that people approached doing their time was different in two different countries. And we're going to get to that part in another episode as well. But today I wanted to tell you about rule number one. Uh, in prison which is don't rubberneck and mind your own business it was probably in the summer of uh, 2005 maybe 2004 2005 where uh it was a crazy hot summer that year i don't know if you remember it in bc but it's crazy hot and people are just aggravated all over the place like I'm telling you, like you couldn't even look. Like there were so many fights. I mean, people fighting over stupid things like chairs. Like, where's my? You're in my seat, and you know, people looking at each other wrong. Like it was crazy. We'd been on a couple lockdowns that that summer, and uh, there was this one kid in there. His name was uh, Francois, and Francois was a French kid, uh, really skinny. Or, you know, probably about a, a, a buck thirty on his best day, buck forty. New kid, never really been in the system before, right? First time in a federal penitentiary. And uh, he went in there and, you know, he didn't really know. He thought that his survival depended on him making friends. And so he made a bunch of friends and, you know, he, he got into it with the crew. And, you know, sometimes when guys are new and they've never been through something before, they attach on to someone as quickly as they can in the pen because it's a fear. T- it's, a, it's a move that's made out of fear. So they go in, they attach to someone, they get with a crew, they become somebody's bitch, they, you know, whoever they are, however their stature is, is basically where they, the peg that they fit in, the hole that they fit in, you know, so he became uh, just a regular guy, little hustler, you know, pull little moves for his crews and stuff inside, little drug deals, making money, smokes, you know, getting joints, that kind of thing, and he had one problem. Right. His guy who he dealt with lived on the lifer range, the range that I was on. And he would always walk down the hallway back and forth, back and forth down the lifer range because he was either getting something or giving something to the guy. Mm -hmm. And so he boom, boom, he's back and forth. And, you know, he had a really bad problem. And the problem was the problem that really ended up being his downfall, man. And, you know, he whenever he would walk, there's one rule in prison. You know, there's a lot of rules, but there's one rule that people take really serious. It's rubbernecking rule. Now, the rubbernecking rule is basically, you know, when you walk by someone's cell and you look in, that's rubbernecking. Your neck turns and you look in their cell. That, in prison, is one of the biggest offenses that you can make to people, right? Because in prison, you know, your cell, it's like a dog that has his yard. You know, you jump, step in his yard, the dog goes crazy barking, right? Maybe attack you. That's how prison cells are. You know, it's very, it's a very polite system. Can I come in? Yes. Don't rubberneck, look into my cell. If you look in and there's three guys in there doing something and you look in and then they get ratted out or so they get busted, they go, Hey, what about that guy that looked in my room? You know what I mean? So you don't, you don't, you do not have a rubber neck. You have a stiff neck, Right. So this kid Francois would always walk down the hallway uh, going to his uh, his buddy or his boss's cell. And for some fucking unknown reason, every time he walked by uh, one of these lifer cells, it's just called the lifer Jeff, right? Every time he walked by Jeff's cell, he'd look in. And he'd walk by really fast, like, you know, like a man on a mission, right? Like guy guy walking or man on a mission. And he'd walk past, but he'd always crank his neck to the right, and look in Jeff's cell. And Jeff was a lifer. He'd sit there with his cell door open, right? And he's like you, he doesn't hide or anything, right? He leaves his cell open for people to talk to him kind of thing, right? And uh, and he he left his cell open, and he'd be lying on his bed watching TV, and every time the kid would walk by, he'd look in his cell. So me as one of the lifer representatives at the time, he he came and he's like, "Dude, this guy keeps looking in my cell as he walks by. One day I'm going to fucking stab him." And so I told Francois, I knew Francois kind of a little bit. I was kind of one of the leaders in the prison. And so I went to him and I'm like, look, dude, you got to quit the rubbernecking. There are certain guys who are getting pissed off. And he is like, oh, I don't rubberneck. I don't even know what you're talking about. I said, dude, you do it subconsciously. It's like whistling, all right? Whistling in the prison is a no-no. Because back in the day, this is why whistling isn't good. Back in the day, uh, people would whistle. Um uh oh what was it i can't remember what it was actually fuck that's crazy you're gonna have to research this i'm pretty sure it's something to do with the guards whistling or uh you know uh when you whistle the guards are coming or something so people don't whistle anymore i don't know i'm gonna have to look it up we'll figure that out in future episodes right but there's just certain things you don't do rubberneck is the big one and so i'm like okay so i told francois hey look just be conscious when you walk down the hall keep your head straight so, what does Francois do the very next day? Walking down the life range to see his buddy Rubbernecks into Jeff's cell. Jeff loses it. He jumps off his bed, comes to the door. He's like, hey, motherfucker, what the hell's wrong with you? You keep looking at my cell every time. And, he, and the kid is like, oh, sorry. Like, he literally is so stupid, he didn't realize he did it again. Because it's subconscious behavior, right? Which we will talk about later, too. So they have their argument, goes down, maybe about a week later, the kid is good for about a week, that yelling was really helped. Not maybe a week later, he walks by the cell, he rubbernecks again, boom, that's it, Jeff so calm, and this was the creepy part, now I didn't see this, right, but this is what I heard, Jeff was so calm, got up from his bed, went down to the cleaning closet, and grabbed uh, some of our institutional bleach that we have. He took it, put it in a cup, coffee cup, went to a microwave, and heated that bleach up till it was scalding hot. And he walked down Jeff's range with the coffee, walked right into his cell, and splashed him in the face with the bleach. That moment right there changed the lives of two people. Jeff, who wasn't quite a lifer, had now become a lifer and Francois, who was just a stupid kid that didn't listen, now had to go for reconstructive facial surgery and probably to this day his life has never been the same. For what? Prison rules. And this is what people don't understand about prison rules and why they're so important in a prison and why these rules can be so important in your own life. right? The, and, oh, wow, just walking here is crazy. So many people in the park. So why why are these why is this prison rule important? Prison rule number one: keep to yourself. Don't rubberneck. Well, it's important for a couple reasons. One, if you apply this kind of li- if you apply this kind of thinking to your own life, it will totally 100% help you stay focused on what your goals are. Right? Like if you take being inside of a prison, the number one goal is what? get out nobody wants to stay forever in prison and people who do have to stay forever in prison right now it's really tragic it's a really sad time for them you know especially right now it's scary right but when you keep to yourself right that helps you stay focused on your goals and on the street out here we pay way too much attention to what other people are doing I just walk by a highway if that's why it sounds so loud we pay way too much attention to what our neighbors are doing and to what our spouses are doing and to what you know, everybody around us is doing. You know? And we look and we judge and we cast judgment down on them, talking about you know, what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong. Right? And meanwhile, all of those judgments and all of those you know, shot calling that you're doing there, it's all just a reflection of you not making completion of your own life because you're not focusing on your own goals. You're focusing on other people's goals, right? Hey, right? why are you so worried about what the other guy's doing? You know, in prison, if you worry about what the other guy's doing, that guy's gonna start worrying why? Are you uh rat? You rat me out? You wanna know everything about what I'm doing? Right? So it causes danger, right? It causes a potential threatening situation for people in prison. And it's the same out here, only the threat is different. The threat out here is that you're gonna suck at life, right? Once you're good at what you do, then you have the ability to comment on other people. And I've always used that rule in everything in life. Once I'm the best at what I can do, then I can start deciding if other people are good as well. But until then, I just need to focus on myself and not rubberneck into other people's lives, right? All life is about, what I've realized, And it's the same out here on the street as it is inside of prison, right? Life is all about self-improvement. The more that you can uh, improve yourself, the better you will become and the better you will be at anything that you do. If you are trying to become the uh, best podcast person, right, then how do you do that? You focus on yourself becoming a good interviewer, talking, you know, going on a podcast, recording your voice, recording your everything. You you put in the work to do it, to get good at it, right? That's how you self-improve, your self-improve. You want to be a better husband? What do you do, right? You could go read a book or you could go and take a course or you could do some stupid shit like that. Or you could just ask your wife, how am I going to be better at, what I, at being a husband for you? What am I missing? What can I do? And she'll tell you, fuck, you got a girl, you got a wife, trust me, she will tell you how to be better at your job, right? That is all that you have. You have the job of staying in your lane. When you're in prison, you need to walk in there and know who you are and where you fit on the scale, where you fit on the packing order, right? You walk in and people greet you with daps and hugs and you're like, boom, you're up there. You're a fucking big shot. You walk in and you got your bed and you look like you know someone's about to take your lunch money then you that's where you fit in right but if you stay in your lane that's how you stay safe right you mind your own business and don't look around right it keeps you from getting hurt okay and it makes you just better when it comes to the street keeping yourself is even more important than you know i did time with a guy uh, up here in um Matsque, and he was doing 12 years and we got to talking one day and one thing about prison is you don't really talk about your crimes until you really get familiar with guys and that's another story that i'm going to get into uh, how it, how uh, uh talking about crime about this guy's one crime led all the way back to me it's an amazing story that you're going to hear about but uh, this one guy, let's just call him Steve, all right? So Steve comes on in, and uh, we were talking one day, and I'm like, what would you come in for? He goes, you'll never believe it. He goes, I got an attempted murder charge because I saved someone's life. I'm like, what? So he was at a bar, restaurant, whatever it was, and the guy was beating on his girl. And so Steve, who's a professional athlete-ish, who was going to become a professional athlete, stepped in and punched the guy out. Hit him so hard, he cracked his head open on the skull, had to go for surgery. Steve got charged with attempted murder, hoping the guy didn't die. He came out of his coma and he was alive or whatever. He came out of his thing, he was alive. And Steve got charged with attempted murder, sticking up for a girl who was getting beaten on and went to jail. And you know what? There is lots of stories like that in prison. There are a lot of guys who. Uh, who were in that situation, stepping up and helping and going to jail for it, right? And it just shows, you know, stay yourself. Now, it's hard if you see someone getting beaten on because you want to stand up for them. But you got to know your lane when you do that, right? When you stand up for someone and you're not a fighter, right? And that person looks like a fighter or is violent. You have to know what the right thing to do is in that situation. What would you do if you're not a fighter and you see this guy is an obvious beast, do you step in because if you do you're gonna risk getting killed you have to know what decisions to make in times like that and you know that's part of prison that is the scariest part is just keeping yourself not getting involved in the BS and making it through to the other side right so how does this prison rule help us this is prison rules episode one my name is Mike Olton Thanks for walking with me through the forest here. I'm on this little beaten uh, path. I don't know, what the hell? There's nobody around waiting for Hansel and Gretel or the big bad wolf to roll by. Like, what the hell is this? So how does this rule help us? Right, well, in a sense, sticking to yourself is a selfish thing. And selfishness has got a bad rap over the years because people have really uh, used it for bad and evil. And to be honest with you, selfishness is one of the best traits that you can uh you can acquire right and you don't even the social butterflies getting becoming selfish and just thinking about yourself is a place you need to get to and you need to get there uh with good intentions so you're not just getting there and go no fuck everything i'm just gonna be selfish no it's about being selfish for your greater cause and whatever your bigger goal is right right selfishness helps you get ahead i'm telling you being selfish and thinking about yourself and thinking about your own personal goals and your own uh, desires is totally helpful to you. And it will, uh, it will really, um, if you're trying to accomplish or get over some kind of obstacle or some goal, right? it's because you're thinking about too many other people and you're thinking about too many things or worrying about what everyone else is doing. Stop and worry about yourself. Right, selfishness is an amazing talent and it's an amazing trait if you use it right. Right, mentally, selfishness will just help you stay focused on your goals. Right, if you're selfish, uh, physically, if you're selfish, you will focus on uh, being at top physical shape and eating the foods that you want and not, you know, eating the stuff that your spouse eats or being pressured into eat shitty food. Right, you have to you if you're selfish and you think selfishly about your physical well-being then you start making better choices with food and, um, and exercise, right? Even just going for a walk in the forest, right? Even though I have other things to do for people. And my girlfriend, she loves to have morning coffee. I'm like, you know what? I have to think about my own health right now. And I ha- if my girl is not going to walk in the morning, she wants to sit there and relax, that's fine. I got to get up and I got to go for a walk and I got to exercise. Because if I don't, I'm not going to do it all day. I have to be selfish and sacrifice time with my spouse in order for my physical health to be better. And spiritually, like selfish, spiritually doesn't mean, you know, Fuck, I'm going to this church and that's it and you don't like it, blah, 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 No, no, Spirituality comes in so many forms. For me, it's creating, right? When I sit down at a computer, I'm writing or I'm filming shit, right? That's my spirituality. That's my church. I found that and that's what keeps me balanced, right? It It, keep, it plays into my ultimate goal. Right? Whoa, almost got ran over by a bike. Plays into my ultimate goal, Uh, you know, makes me feel good about myself in the moment, right? And then also gives me hope and and ignites my passion because passion is spirituality, right? If you don't go to church, you don't believe in God, you don't do any of this stuff, and you want to have spirituality, find a passion and go after it. There's your church, right? So, Basically, it's just about staying focused yourself and making yourself attractive to others by minding your own business. Um, if you're dating, for example, and you're going out and you are uh, online or you are going out on dates, right? And you're so worried about what is wrong with the other person that you can't see the good, You right? That's the same thing, right? You, And then you walk away with nobody, right? So the thing is, I'm not a dater. I got a wife and girl. I've been with, in a relationship all my life. And what I do see from my friends who are single is that they concern themselves too much about what other people are doing or what they look like in their posts. All these things, right? They're judging, not keeping to the... There's a big bear? Yeah, it's huge. Oh, no. no. I'm going back. It's, it's going to okay so there's a bear right up ahead I'm gonna turn around this is why I don't hike in the woods this guy's high tailing it out of here yeah it's a big one uh, it's right up there he came high tailing it back though there's another guy just walked past me he's bear hugger obviously he's gonna go that way but I shall turn around not running into a bear maybe this is why my girl didn't walk with me Jesus God, where was I talking about I totally forgot now uh, anyways when you look at just yourself you begin to see where you need growth that's what being selfish is all about looking at yourself seeing where you need growth right the discipline creates the change so the discipline is the thinking and looking at yourself right and just worrying about yourself instead of other people that's the discipline right so when you start just thinking and worrying about yourself and just focusing on what you need to do to either be happy or productive right you start to make big tracks towards your goal. It's just like in jail. You stick to yourself, mind your own business, focus on your goal of getting out, you will get out. And if you're really lucky, you find ways to make sure that you never come back, right? Self-awareness is the only payoff that matters. So when you do this uh, prison rule and you keep to yourself, your self-awareness will go through the roof. Self-awareness is something that you only gain once you uh, have found out exactly who you are and being cool with yourself, and being cool with everything around you that happens. Man, um, I'm being distracted because I think there's somebody running there. There's a bear somewhere. Oh my God. It's crazy. Knowing yourself and how society, uh, knowing yourself and how you fit into society with your game plan is the key to happiness and survival. So just leaving this, I'm already past my time limit on the podcast, but. Just so you understand, you know, keeping to yourself isn't just an anti-social movement. It's not. It's actually anti-anti-social. Keeping yourself will actually show you that you care about yourself, that you care about your goals, that you care about your life, and that you care about the direction of your life, right? And when you're focused like that, and you're just worrying about yourself, you're being selfish with your time, being selfish with your energy. When you just focus on that, you will attract other like-minded people towards you. And instead of attracting all those people that drag you down and don't make your life worth living or bring lesser value to your life and to who you are, once you shake all those people and start attracting like-minded people like you, man, your life is going to get better, right? It is just gonna get better. You just have to start following prison rules and you're gonna start seeing big changes. So here's your call to action, right at here at the end of the, uh, at the podcast. My very first one out in the bush, not bad. I only wanted it 30 minutes, so this is good. So here's your call to action. Today, I want you to declutter your life. Whenever you do it, I want you to look at everything that you're doing. I want you to write down a list of everything that you're doing on one side. Then make another column, right? And I want you to write down everybody in your life that you are concerned or you concern yourself about, right? Whether you worry about them, whether you're taking care of them, whether you're concerned for what they're doing, their actions of their life, I want you to make that list, right? Right, and I want you to make a list of uh, all of your goals, okay, on the third. So you have three columns, things you're doing now, all the people you know, and a list of goals. Okay. Doesn't matter how many goals it is. Could be one. Okay. Right? It could be ten. Doesn't matter. Make a list. Now, what I want you to do. This is what I did. Connect. 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 I want you to see if you can connect what you're doing. Right. With who's in your life, and where you're going. So, if you have mom on there, right, and you have, uh, you know, does mom fit in with your future goals? Right. Does mom help you with what's happening now? Okay. And if they don't, if you can't match the people with the columns, with each column, then you need to stop concerning yourself over that person. Because that person's not going to help you get to your goals, right? If your husband is on there or your wife is on there and their main contributor to something that you're doing now, making money, and then that making money is leading to you having one of your goals accomplished, then you need to, then that person can deserve some of your time. Okay, You don't need to be selfish with that person, but everybody else you do. Basically develop that selfish skill. Put all of that energy you would put on other people. Put it inside of yourself. Put it towards your goals and to your higher meaning. And you're going to find that life is going to change right before your eyes overnight. This is just prison rule number one for your life. I'm glad you guys all listened. Please don't forget to subscribe on uh, YouTube. Uh, Also hit the subscribe here, a button here on on this podcast feature. And you'll always get every daily podcast and every walk through the park with me. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to Crowbar City on YouTube. And you know what? Drop a line or an email to me. Ask me any questions you want and I'll see if I can answer them here on the podcast. It's a beautiful day here on Friday, April 23rd. 2020, you guys make sure you get outside, don't let the virus take you down. Hi, right, thanks everybody, joining me. Episode three. I'm in beautiful Kensington Park in, Park in Burnaby. I'm sitting in this dugout here of this little league, and it's got grass. I've never seen an entire field of grass, like, usually, you have a ballpark with the sand right and it's like the diamond right the diamond area is all sand and dirt no this is this is all grass <laughs> very awkward very weird it's kind of like uh seeing if you know when someone perfectly manicures their beard like i mean i have i envy you for being able to do that but uh when i see a perfectly manicured beard i'm like that dude spends a lot of time checking on his beard the perfect lines or the ruler dude i knew a guy who did that i knew a guy uh, thanks, everybody. Mike Olton here. Hey, I just wanted to say thanks to the 13 people who viewed uh, the last two podcasts. You know, potentially that's 13 individual people. Thank you, all of you. Uh, it could be uh, six returning people in one new person. Uh, and in that case, thank you again. And to the new person, welcome. Uh, I hope you enjoy the prison rules and more, but more so I hope you apply prison rules to your life that will really help you make some big steps in your life. And I'm telling you, uh, everybody will have answers and ways to do things and potions and notions and all this shit. And, you know, I, the best thing that you can do is to take action. The only thing that you can really do to change your life is to completely switch it around and go the other direction. And if you're too scared to stop and go the other direction, mm-hmm. then stop complaining about your life. That's really how it comes down to what it comes down to. So uh, what I always advise people, if they say, well, how can I make changes? I'm like, well, what are you doing this? okay? well, then I think what's the opposite. I said, go do that. Go do that. It works. You got to trust me. But these prison rules or other things will help you. I hope if you apply them to your life, uh, you know, uh, you'll make some big steps forward. It's all we need. dude. It's 2020 straight up. Like, I don't care how old you are. It's 2020. It's time to move forward. Right. It's time to, you know, put this shit behind us. We're in the midst of a pandemic right now. So this is the best time for you to be able to just switch it up and do something different. Right. If you think you're going back to your old life, think again. It's not happening. Switch it up now. Make that change, because I'm telling you, this is the best time you're going to be able to do it. Uh, prison rule here number three uh, is not a huge one. It's not a, a punishable offense by any means in prison, but this is a rule that is um, is used in all aspects of discipline. You go to, you know, uh, Chinese discipline. You go to, uh, um, you know, military discipline. You go to, you know, prison discipline. Anything, and this rule applies always. And it's the make your bed every morning rule big rule. And you know, yes, this is a rule in prison. It's not a punishable rule. You're not going to go to the hole if you don't make your bed. But in some places that I was in, you would actually get in trouble if you didn't get up and make your bed every morning, right? So rule number three is make your bed every morning, get up for breakfast and work, right? Make it a routine that this is what you're going to do every day and you do it. Um, no, like I said, it wasn't a punishable offense in prison, but uh, it you were looked upon in a certain way. Like if the guards came in and your bed wasn't made, you know, they would be like, oh, this guy's a disheveled fool. And they could tell a lot about your personality. If you were depressed, if you had any pride, any self-respect, you know, look at your room. Your room made, a, your room was a big deal. You know, how you kept yourself was a very big deal. It was because you were only judged by how your room looked everybody looked the same we all wore the same clothes right but how you kept your room and how you lived was the calling card for who you were and I remember once I was in uh, I can't remember what prison I was in maybe Matsky could have been Matsque. Um but we had one guy and who was it like probably 20% of inmates are this way he refused to ever get up and make his bed, ever. He said, fuck it, just get up, dress, put on flip-flops, you know, sweatpants, t-shirt, go and do his thing, shower eventually, right? Stayed in his room all day, maybe would just get up for lunch and dinner, you know what I mean, breakfast didn't matter, like, you know, it's a thing in prison. You got up in the morning, what are you getting up for? Like, what are you getting up for your life this is probably the only thing lower at that point of being in prison is probably you know the lower east side vancouver any skid row place where you're living in the street and sucking water out of puddles for needles you know so you know that was probably uh the lowest that you could be so why would you get up in the morning what the hell is there to do every morning jesus you know so one guy i know that was in there he refused ever to get up and make his bed you know, he would stay in his room all day. You know, eventually staff would just say, you know what? If you're not going to get up and make your bed, then you're not going to uh, get up, period. So they wouldn't let him up. They just lock him up, right? He ins- he spent his entire locked up sentence. Like he, he spent his entire sentence locked up in his room. And then when he got out, we'll call him Paul. Let's just call him Paul. So Paul spent his entire sentence locked up, right? Never getting up. Never making his bed, two years gone by, got out. What do you think happened? Paul reoffended right away. He never learned about discipline. And I always say that about it. And I would look at guys when they came in after, you know, after I've been in, after you're in for about five years, maybe maybe even less, maybe three years, you know, you start to read guys pretty quickly, right? Because that's all you have. New guy comes in, you're like, oh, this is fascinating. It's like a new girl. You know, if you're on the street, you see a new girl, hey, who's the new girl at the bar or whatever, right? that's how it was in jail it was, who, who hey who's that new guy in the jail right now right hey check him out, and you start to read people and that's what i did you know as people were looking for ways that they can manipulate it i just wanted to read people right and i wanted to get good at it because my entire life had been spent being duped by people i called my friends or people you know who i thought were close to me they would always just take advantage of me right and i had to deal with that and so i i i made points you know i made it part of my doing time to start learning about myself number one but also to start uh, noticing when these people were going to come my way and really mess with my life you know so uh, so I developed that and you know I, I'm to this day to this very day I meet someone within about five minutes you know a couple of key questions a couple things I ask them I can read somebody and I use that in my healings you know when I when I meet Like Here's the thing. I'm going to go off topic for just a second. But with the healings and the stuff that I do with healings, um, when I, I don't meet a client until the day of the healing. I don't like to meet them because when I meet them, I read them. And I don't want to go into small talk. I don't want to know about your personal life. I just want to know about your problem. And I want to see how you react when I ask you about it. And we get right into it, right? Because that reveals everything about a person. Whether you're going to lie, are you going to tell the truth, are you going to conform right away, are you going to fight me, right? All that means something. And I learned that by sitting in prison. And just listening to people and watching people, and you know, uh and not being the guy that's like blah 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 wants to be all boisterous and wants to, you know, make a point of whatever. No, I don't care about that. What I cared about is learning about this person and how I'm gonna react to this person, how I'm gonna interact with them, and how potentially, if this person goes sideways and wants to kill someone, it's not gonna be me because I understand how to relate to that guy. And I did that with every single fucking person I interacted with in prison, and it allowed me to get through a lot of tough times which we'll go on into in different episodes but you know that was the number one and you know so when you're inside there you know if you don't teach yourself discipline number one that's going to be the number one reason why you don't ever get away from this life of crime and being a criminal douchebag you're never going to get away if you don't discipline yourself and set yourself with rules right that's why prison rules is important even to you right if you have never committed a crime, you've never been a criminal, that's great. You can still apply these prison rules to your life and make sure you never go to prison. Right? But Paul, we'll call him Paul, like he didn't learn about discipline. He decided that he was just gonna sit through his time. He had money, probably, you know, drug dealer, right? Part of a crew and shit. And he got out, got to a halfway house and number one thing halfway house told you to do, make your bed every morning. Paul decided he wasn't gonna do that. He didn't know how probably didn't know how to be honest with you right probably had mommy doing it most of his life and then girlfriend right you know don't make your bed a lot of guys don't make their bed and it's not your fault right it's not your fault it's just how it is you you need to discipline yourself they never learned paul never learned about discipline and he got out and he was undisciplined he's a bad dog he went right back inside inside when you're there if you have the opportunity while you're locked up just like right now, while you're locked up in Coronaville, in Corona Nightmare, right? This is the time when you start teaching yourself discipline. You start applying rules to make your life better. Have you ever heard that... Uh, this is a little while ago. There was a general who gave a speech about making your bed. Uh, and about about the being a navy seal or whatever and he's he did a speech about making your bed i want to quote it for you right now i don't usually quote people but i really like this it applies to what we're doing i uh, um, and here's the quote if you make your bed every morning you will have accomplished the first task of the day making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter these are powerful words and if you don't have to be able to bounce a coin off your military style made bed to benefit from them. You don't have to. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, that you made, and a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better, right? Those are powerful words, right? You think about that. You make your bed every morning, you accomplish your first task of the day. Very first thing you do, if if the very first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, is pick up your phone and check your messages. Who messaged you overnight? You're a fucking fool. Who messaged you overnight? Everyone's sleeping. Unless your business starts at 3 a.m., you should not be getting up and checking your phone. It means you're a slave to your phone. And if your phone's that close to your bed, you need to move it away. Because that will explain why you're not sleeping very well or you're anxious during the day. the phone is a nightmare first thing you need to do when you get up in the morning is discipline yourself right teach yourself that today is not going to be just a coast through easy day that today is going to be a day that you get shit done And if the first thing you do is get up and you make your bed you make sure that that bed is looking as good as you're gonna look that day then you are gonna have an amazing day and your day is gonna look as good as that bed and at the end of the day after you've worked so damn hard and you're just like, man, I, I put up with that guy's bullshit. You know, I put up with my bullshit here. I had a boring day today. I didn't get to do anything. I cleaned the yard, scrapped with my wife or my girlfriend. You know, my kids are just all over me. My dogs just won't leave me alone. You know, ah, I got nothing. You know what you do have at the end of the day? Besides you're after your show's over and you just want to go and crawl into bed. You have that nicely, freshly made bed. Like getting into a hotel bed. And you know how good you sleep? You know how good it feels to slip into a hotel bed? Even though if you really knew, like all the bed bugs and everything, whatever. Right? But you know how good that feels? You should have that every single day. You should have that every day. If you don't believe that you deserve a freshly made hotel bed every day, then turn off this damn podcast. If you don't care, if you're just like, oh, I don't care you would care if it happened every day if you had a freshly made bed every day for a year and then all of a sudden you didn't Mm -hmm. you'd be like what happened to my bed right so think about that you know making your bed will reinforce the fact that little things in life matter and a lot of people do say that they say you know what who cares whatever bed doesn't matter it's a little thing little thing like that it's like yeah who cares about tying your shoes whatever there's shoes they're on oh laces flip-flopping around who cares no that's not normal people don't believe that you say that but it's just because you're lazy to do it right that oh, doesn't matter about cooked food whatever just eat fast food every day you're gonna die are you gonna get sick you're never gonna you're never healed, right? you never heal right get fat no you can't do that so little things do matter Making your bed does have an impact on the overall standing of your life. It's like if you every day have to do 10 things just to be happy. 10 things that you have to do every single day to be happy. And if you miss one of those things, then you're going to be unhappy. You're going to feel that on the days that you miss that one thing. You'll be like, fuck, today was, I missed that. Uh. And you're going to work harder to get all 10 done the next day. But that's what the bed does. The bed is the disciplined teacher in the morning. And at the end of the night, it's your reward for having a great day, right? Trust me on this. Making your bed is more important than you think. Making your bed first thing in the morning traps in this moisture, allowing your bed to be a home for up to 1.5 million dust mites. If you leave your bed messy, however, the mites are exposed to air and sunlight, which causes them to become dehydrated and die out right think about that report <laughs> right think about that report That so said this was an honest report probably done uh, by somebody who really hated to make the bed this is an argument I just read to you right so making your bed first thing in the morning traps in this moisture <laughs> allowing your bed to be a home for up to 1.5 million dust mites alright so you know people are like okay well making your bed the sunlight well what if it's dark what if you live in a cold place there's no sun Right, then what? That's just an excuse, right? There's an excuse for everything. When in reality, you know, the food you're eating is full of mites and bugs and bacteria. And you know, the shoes that you put on your feet every single day and you touch the soles, or you touch the laces, that shit is called, filled with bacteria that you're passing on. Like we could talk about dust mites and shit, but it doesn't matter. What really matters and what this guy who wrote this complaint is saying is missing is the fact that the act of doing it is what will inherently change your life it isn't the actual made bed it's the act of making the bed and being disciplined that is what is going to change your life in the long run in this report as well i'm just reading you something right here i got i pulled up for for this uh podcast the report uh which was recently highlighted on the today show found that people who make their beds tend to be adventurous confident, sociable, and high maintenance. Meanwhile, people who don't make their beds tend to be shy, moody, curious and sarcastic. right So here's the thing. I make my bed every day. I'm pretty shy, moody, curious and sarcastic. I go on the ma- and don't make their bedside. you know I'm, I'm confident, I'm sociable. I'm all those things a little bit of everything here adventure I'm not adventurous. You know, people who make their bed are adventurous. I'm not adventurous. Uh, High maintenance, I'm not high maintenance. Right? sociable. I'm more anti-social, to be honest with you. I'm more introvert than extrovert. Even though when the camera's on or the recorder's on, I I change. Confident, I'm confident. You know, so who knows? I don't believe that. You know, that's a report saying that, you know, about messy beds and made beds no i don't believe that you know i think you know sometimes if people are really smart or they're super busy and they just get up and right go they don't make their beds you know that's one reason not to do it but those people have been disciplined in other factors in their life and they're good at other things right and i'm not saying if you don't make your bed that you're not a disciplined person but what it is 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 that if you're looking to gain discipline this is a step for you to take some of you might not need to do this you may be fine how you are but I'm just telling you, if this is, uh, if there's a life changed and life changing that needs to happen, this is definitely one of the steps. You know, I remember uh, when I was in uh, prison, I went to sweat lodges and stuff all the time, and uh, I would see some of the elders there quite often. I went to maybe three, three sweat lodges, I think, maybe two, uh, in my time. Um, and uh, I would talk to the elder once in a while because I was uh, one of the leaders there. I was one of the lifer, I was the lifer president for the lifers group in one of the prisons. And I remember speaking to the uh, elder once and he talked, we were talking about making beds. And he told me that indigenous people say, that if you don't make your bed in the morning, you leave your spirit there. That's why it's so important. And they try to teach the young kids uh, to get up and make their bed. And I'm like, that's a really cool thing too. So... And the the indigenous people saying that they, you know, if you don't make your bed, you leave your spirit, your spirit stays in bed. So if you make it, your spirit has forced to follow you up. And I thought, you know, what? that's the same principle as what we're saying here with uh, just the belief system, creating a belief system within yourself. You know, if you get up, you know, taking your spirit is also, you know, or being disciplined first thing in the morning is also a way of engaging your spirit. Right, so if you force yourself, the first thing you do is you force yourself to be disciplined, you force yourself to take care of yourself. That's the very first thing you do in the morning. I you know, you wake up and you say, Nope, very first thing I'm doing, I'm looking after myself. I'm making sure that I'm going to be happy. I'm gonna make sure that my spirit is high next time I engage with my bed. And so you make your bed boom, that engages your spirit, that makes your spirit come to life, that gives you some motivation for the day. All of a sudden, you you know, the next thing you do is a good thing for yourself too the next thing you do is the next right your spirit pushes you to continue to do good things for yourself and for your brain and and for your spirit for itself right that's the mentality that they're trying to say that if you leave your bed messy and your spirit stays there or you don't even care enough about yourself to make your bed first thing right you just get up and you just walk out and you just do other shit well obviously man you're gonna leave your motivation and your spirit and what makes you you you're gonna leave what makes you you, inherently, you yourself, in your bed, alone, not having to get up. You're not forcing it to get up, right? So even the indigenous people had a really uh, interesting way of putting it, right? I'm in um, I'm in this park, uh, Kensington Park in Burnaby, walking. This is part of the podcast. I won't record until I go out and walk around by my by myself. I won't. That's it, it. Okay, let's just uh, finish off because I got some calls coming. So. The other thing I wanted to say is, you know, getting up at the same time every day is part of discipline as well. Uh, you know, forcing yourself, no matter what, every day, get up at the same time, right? Make your bed at the same time. I'm telling you, I'm stressing you, it's super important. Even on the days that you have off, get up early and get things done. It trains your ba- brain to function at a very high level, which you have to understand, right? Monotony makes your brain function at a low level challenge makes your brain happen at a high level it's like when you're walking home or you're driving home go a different direction go walk that direction you know drive a different direction right don't do the same thing right it makes you it stops you from getting alzheimer's maybe dementia right but it also trains your brain to be disciplined to look for other answers instead of just falling into the same pattern right so getting up Early every single day, no matter what the challenge is, whether you stayed up late the night before or you just feel like sleeping in, fuck it, get up. Same time, get to your life, have coffee, drink some water, exercise, take a nap later if you need to, but discipline yourself to get up. I'm telling you guys, the army is how they are because of who they are and what they do right what they do is discipline they first thing they wake up it's discipline it's not chit chat have a coffee lounge around in your pajamas it's get up make your bed fucking get to it look sharp showered by 5 a.m you know push-ups by five fifteen. like it's nuts that's why they're so disciplined that's why when you see an army vet he's like pe- impeccable you know it's the same thing you see a guy who's been in the army for long enough you can tell he's impeccable you see a guy who's been in prison for long enough you can tell he's impeccable too it's true yeah, you see a guy you catch a guy who's been in prison for 10 years makes his bed every damn morning yours truly it's discipline you learn that discipline while you're in there you learn these prison rules whether you're in prison or you're in the army it's the same thing Folks, the army in prison, is the same thing. I mean, when you get started early in the morning or at the same time, every single morning, you train your brain to be able to rest at night. If you have problems sleeping, you can't get to sleep. Chances are it's because your mornings are so effed up that you can't even get, you can't get straight. You have no rhythm. It's like in a band, if they're going one, two, three, four, right, and you start on four, if everyone starts at three, that's, no, we were starting on four. No, I thought we were starting on two and end at four. No, we started on one and end at, you gotta have that rhythm. You gotta get up, start up, get up at one, go to bed at two, right? That's the secret to all of this, you know, is creating that rhythm, right? Creating that discipline, man, get up at the same time, get to bed at 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 a regular time, right? You can't afford to push the meter all day every day. You can afford to do it once in a while, right? But don't do it every single day. You know? Discipline yourself. Do the same amount every day. Five hours work? Do five hours. And trust me, you'll get farther ahead. And once in a while you can push it but, you know, what really matters is getting up at the right time, getting disciplined first thing in the morning and getting to bed at a reasonable hour so you can get up at that same hour, right? That's it, dude, right? I'm not telling you not to work more. I'm not telling you anything. I'm telling you, live your life, do whatever you want, but set some guidelines and put some discipline, have a purpose to live, right? Have a purpose every single day. And if your purpose is to get up, make your bed and you know what I mean? Like, I know it sounds crazy, right but what you how you're living if your lives if your life right now is all messed up how you're living this is no better than how i'm telling you with these prison rules okay i don't put this all all over the internet i just put it here on this podcast and soon it'll be live and talking to people and telling these stories and telling these uh antidotes and giving these lessons in person It's going to happen. Just before I go, I'm going to go get to work. Life is calling me. And, you know, even though this coronavirus is locking half the world down, it's not shutting my phone down. And uh, the mission of life goes on, right? Podcast planning. Uh, Here's my final thought. Finding your purpose daily. Okay? Uh, I said this to Ryan the other day. You know, he was feeling a little stressed out. I'm like, Ryan, it's your purpose in life, dude. That's all it is. What do you wake up for, right? Finding your purpose daily. You know, in prison, when I was in there, it was hard, man. You had to find your purpose daily. Uh, everywhere, you, every single day. Every day was a new purpose pretty much because you could be shattered you know you could get up to be doing the same thing for 10 years and that was dangerous man I had to daily find my purpose right and and it's to find something that would take my head out of actually being in there right going to work or having a purpose in life is so important to your well-being if you right now are depressed and you're not feeling good about life because of this virus or whatever it is your relationship whatever it is you know you don't have a purpose and you need to find a new one it's simple. It's a simple answer. And how do you find your purpose in life? Well, you know, you do it a couple ways. You ask yourself what's really important to you, and if there's a way that you can get involved with that, and you know, become successful with that, maybe as a career, volunteering, what have you. You gotta, you just gotta see if it works, if it's a good one for you. Uh, the other way you find purpose um, is to just start applying prison rules to your life, and then things will come to you. When you start disciplining yourself more, you're going to start finding answers. You won't have to go to other people and ask other people what their thoughts are. Because they'll come to you. I'm telling you guys, if you just start applying discipline to your life and applying my prison rules to your life, give yourself a month or two months maybe, who knows. But you'll start to see answers as to what you need to do to make yourself happier. They'll start coming to you. I guarantee it. I want you to keep in contact with me, right? Send me an email. Let me know what you think about the podcast we're doing. Make sure you look on Crowbar City Productions on YouTube for all of our content and some really... You know what? The content that we're doing now is just comedy and it's just me having fun. But the real stuff is coming. It's going to really blow you away. Wait till you see what Crowbar City is going to do in 2020. Anyways, thanks for listening to Episode 3. Let me know what you think. Follow me on all social, either ACDJ or Crowbar Productions. And I'll see you guys again with Episode 4. It's going to be a good one too. I'm going to have more stories for you next time. I didn't give you enough stories this time. But next time I'll give you some more prison stories. Thanks for joining me on Prison Rules. So ego is a crazy thing we deal with on a day-to-day basis. It's what makes us who we are, the majority of us. They always tell you in a spiritual retreat that you go to drop the ego, you know, in therapy they always want you to drop the ego, Yeah, you know, because the ego prevents you from actually learning and to opening up and exploring because we're so concerned about who we are and about what we think of ourselves and what others think of us and it's... This just doesn't happen. Sorry if my phone ever goes off. i got people calling me and stuff all the time. Um, I, I do record this on my phone. And the one thing that I don't do is I don't listen to uh, my recordings. I don't really listen to them. I just record them. And I go, you know what? I know what I said. I spoke from the heart. I spoke the truth. Just post it and go. And I have other things that I want to do during the day. And I didn't listen to one... Uh, the wind blowing into my microphone of uh my phone which was must have been so annoying so to you know to the 20 people who have watched uh, all three of the podcasts and the last three podcasts thank you very much whether again it's you know same six people and i've gained three extras hey hallelujah! you yeah, you know four extras awesome you know regardless thank you so much for listening uh, this is Prison Rules. My name is Mike Olton. I'm inside my van today at the park. Instead of going for the walk, I'm going to just record from inside the van. Seems like a better idea. Better idea. I hope you're all well. This is uh, episode 4 of Prison Rules. Prison Rules uh, is a podcast that is all about using prison rules to uh, help you improve your life. And hopefully you can apply some of these rules to uh to your life if you're looking for happiness or you're looking for a purpose you're looking for just a reason to get up out of bed every day and you don't know what to do you know what some of these rules that I'm going to give to you are rules that I used to get myself away from prison and they also were rules that uh, I use and I tell some of my clients to use If they're just looking to get out of a funk or do something different with their life. Because we all go through this stuff. You know, being in prison is one thing. But sometimes a lot of us are in prisons in our own life and in our own world. You don't have to be locked up. You can be in a bad relationship. Or you can be in a horrible job. Or you can just be in your head about some trauma that happened to you. Or, you know, something that's happened to you in your life and you can't get away from it. You know... These are all realities. These are all forms of prison. And my steps, I hope, will just give you an idea. Not even an idea, but give you exercises to do that will bring you out of that funk, man. I'm telling you, everybody goes through what you're going through. If you're listening to this podcast, you either really like my voice or you really need to find some answers for your life. And I hope that you apply prison rules to your life because they will 100 percent change your life all right my situation went from really bad to really great and it didn't involve making a ton of money and it didn't involve being with a whole bunch of friends and it didn't involve having a whole bunch of things what it really came down to was getting rid of as many things as i could and being hyper-focused on myself, which leads us to today's prison rule, uh, which is uh, prison rule number four, which is stop making friends and limit your friends. I know Drake said it, no new friends. And, you know, he had something when he said that. That's probably, you know, one of the more uh, things that I could relate to with Drake is not about making no new friends, limiting your friends, right? There's something about having friends in prison that is either dangerous, can be dangerous, or can be very beneficial. I was... I'm going to tell you a story here that's going to lead us into our, our story about friends. Um, it was 2005. I was in Matsque Penitentiary. And... Uh, a guy came into the prison named rick scarpino rick scarpino is a notorious gangster from british columbia vancouver he uh, i had known about him growing up in victoria uh he was a guy that was started there and he was he was a big fish in a small pond at least he thought he was a big fish and you know that's all really basic you need and and the and the drug game you just need to back in the 90s it didn't matter if you had a gun or not it's how much game you could talk and how really tough and manipulative you were that's really all it was there was no you know big x force there's no x factor back then basically all it was was you're tough drug dealer yeah you could say anything and you know and he had the game wrapped i mean the way he talked to people and the way he could manipulate people was like no other criminal i've ever met in my life You know, very manipulative. And we were in prison. And uh, prior to this, Rick and I had um, not a really great relationship. You know, he had done some wrong to somebody that I really cared about. And and when I first saw him come in, my very first thought was, Dude, I'm going to make friends with this guy. And I'm going to set him up. Because I know how smart he is. And I know my friend would appreciate this. And I'm in jail, so what the fuck? Let's just become friends with the guy, and then eventually, you know, that'll happen. Yes, it was sinister thinking. That's how I thought back then in 2003, 2004, something like that. And that's how I thought, you know. I, I, you know, I really didn't care about my life, and I didn't care about other people except this one friend. So that was my initial thought right going into that relationship but what was really strange and what's really weird about prison is that you are with everybody else in prison at their lowest point and most of the time very very self-aware people um which rick was he was able to lower himself to a certain point so he could go under the radar right he would still hold a, a mightier than thou personality and attitude with most people but most of the time he just kind of rode under the radar uh and you know I did become friends with him uh we did you know I I call friends with uh with the finger hyphens because I wasn't really his friend in the beginning that's what makes the story so unique is that I went in with really not you know not the best intentions but then I got to know the guy and I started to realize man we're all flawed and fucked up And this guy's a human being. And, you know, because I'd been in prison for so long, I had lost the street mentality. It had been years, five years at least, that I'd been away from that street mentality. So everything to me was like prison. and It was about building myself up and building my self-esteem and, you know, not... Causing grief, but trying to create positivity. And there was a lot of that stuff in my life at that time. And so when Rick came around, you know, the anger and the ire that I had for what he had done to someone that I cared about had basically disappeared out of sight, out of mind. Time has passed and you forget about shit. And, you know, I went into that relationship, like I said, with different intentions. And within, you know, a year, uh, the 100% had changed. You know, you get to know the real person and you can't have. Uh, you sort of start to empathize with people, you know, about what they've gone through and, you know, you connect and those things happen. So anyways, uh, so Rick and I became friends in there and, you know, we started working out together and we would, uh, We would go to writing together. We wrote a book, a a screenplay, whatever. We'd write stuff and send it back and forth. And you create this prison relationship. You know, when you're inside and you're with somebody, you are with that person, man. If one person goes, then we all go type of thing, right? That's, you know, who you hang out with and who you're affiliated with in prison is your group, all right? And if that person in that situation gets in a problem with somebody, you are in the problem with that person as well. So these are all things you know going into this. So if you don't want to get into any conflict in prison, don't hang out with controversial people, right? So one morning, uh, it was early in the morning, about 7 o'clock a.m., all the doors in prison would buzz open at one point. And boom, all the doors buzzed open the same time. Everybody leaves for breakfast, right? If you don't feel like having breakfast, you just close your door. You just leave it open and the guards will come by and they'll close it. Right, so it was a very loosey-goosey style medium security prison at that point. Um, I was in the room right next to Rick, and I was waiting to get up. I was gonna get up for breakfast, and I was like debating whether I was or not, and and then I hear his door open, and then all of a sudden it slams shut, and then all of a sudden I hear this ah ah, 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 like screaming, like, oh my God, like someone's getting attacked. Well, Rick was getting attacked. Uh, Two masked men had gone in there and uh, tried to kill him. And I heard on the, uh, I heard the banging next door and I knew what was happening. And this is the really weird part. And this is the part about prison that maybe you understand or maybe you won't understand. But I heard that happening. And you know what? I hate to say this because he's, I don't know, who cares? This is the truth. You know, I could have let it just go down and happen. And the fact that I was there and that I heard it happening, if I hadn't have stepped in there and helped him out, I would have looked like a really bad friend. But then I also would have become the next victim of whoever put the hit out on him. Right? Because I had hung out with him, If I had just stood by and been weak and not let it happen, the next hit would have been on me. And so I knew at that moment, my brain, because I, even though I was away from the street, you can't take the street out of the man. You can take the man off the street, but you can't take the street off the man in the long run. Uh, So my brain kicked into action. I knew that I had to save him because if I didn't save him and show strength, I was going to be next. So uh, So I went to my buzzer we buzzed the door and the the guard in the bubbles like yeah i said hey my friend and i said to them in the buzzer my friend accidentally locked his door can you please open it up so they opened up the door i raced in there and disarmed the two assailants who were stabbing him rick was completely naked bleeding right i disarmed the two guys fucking almost killed one guy like the guards came and they're like you know telling me to get off of them get off of them you know and that's this and that. i finally got off and you know they took us all to the hole uh, and I'd seen the two masks guys. I ripped their masks off. Like they were just two guys. Like I overpowered them and beat them down. It was crazy in this little cell. It's hilarious. Um, so we went to the hole. I'm in the hole. They sent Rick to protective custody. And they looked at me and they're like, what are we going to do with you? And I said, I'm not scared. I didn't do anything. I'm not going to protective custody. You know, you're going to send me back. They're like, well, are you going to cause any problem? I'm Like, causing problem? Like, why would I cause any problem? This is, I I was just helping my, Rick, right? And they're like, oh, okay. And so they were like, ho-hum. And they're like, okay, we'll send you back. And I, as I'm going back, you know, you're carrying your bedroll. It was just like in the movies, dude. Like how you see a new inmate coming in and he's carrying his bedroll and all his stuff in his arms. And everyone's like, yeah, saying things to him. Hey, fish, blah, blah, blah. It was kind of like that with me, only the silent treatment. So I was I was rolling in there, uh, it was quiet. Nobody was talking to me. I was like a leper of society, the scarlet letter, you know, and I had to sleep with a knife under my pillow for six months. Like I had to, you know, I nobody would talk to me. One person was my friend. Like nobody would be my friend. It was fucking brutal, man. The whole, there was a hit on, on me, you know uh The lifer group and another group had almost gone to war over it. Like had some really great people step up for me. You know, Ross, uh, Roscoe, Ross Mooring stepped up for me. Solid guy. You know, Norman Rael stepped up for me. Solid. You know what I mean? Like it was a lot of things. James Rosset, uh, James Rossetti. I don't know. He stepped up for me. Solid guy. Can I say that name? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You all know who we are. You know. These are all people you know stood by themselves they were totally self aware and they were like, "We know who you are, we know what you did, and it's all good, but most other part of the jail were junkies thieves, and uh deba and uh and you know the uh the asshole it was the asshole center of the prison world, so you know it weren't the best people there, and I had to deal with that man, and I, you know eventually i I got through it uh eventually I found the guy who was doing the threats, and I confronted him and putting the putting the hit out on me, I confronted him. There's a little thing and everything smoothed over. And then everybody was fake friends again, all again. That's all, because that's all prison is. I'm telling tell you right now. It's all fake Facebook friends. That's why criminals do so well on Facebook when they get out of prison. Because it's not real, you know, fake friends. Uh, so that was that, dude. And I, what I learned from that uh, little situation is, was more so than ever, is that you are associated with, with who you associate with and i what i've realized that out on the street here in real life is that happiness is 100 uh you know predicated by who you who you are around you know if you are around someone miserable all the time you're not going to be happy you're just going to be miserable Right. You know, in jail, you know, you're responsible for who you're with. It's plain and simple. I was responsible at that point for who I was with, or I was going to be the next one they snuck up on. It's the same on the street when it comes to your happiness, man. The more people that you have around me, the worse you are. Right. You end up trying to please too many people, and it just drags your attention down on yourself. You know, the key to self or the key to happiness is self awareness. And self-improvement doing those two things being those two things and doing those you know do, doing that being it and doing it right that is the true key to your happiness right it's what I had to do that was the number one the very first thing I had to do in order to truly be happy in my life was to leave all of my old friends I had to get rid of all of my friends from the past and as much as it pained me to do that I knew that if when it came around again, and we were all in better circumstances, we were truly friends, then we would be friends, right, but if we weren't, yes, then I left you, good, you go your way, I go my way, and we all seek, we all have our own path to try to seek happiness in life, so I hope that they do it, right, now, what did I have to do to change my life, it was, it was leave my friends, you know, and I'm going to give you some advice when it comes to friends because a lot of people are very uh social butterflies, you know, they're extroverted, they need a lot of people around them. And I want to hear, I, I here want to give you some reasons why you will actually become happier if you have less people around you. Now, it doesn't mean to go hermit yourself and be on constant quarantine isolation. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, you know, Sometimes if you have a lot of people around you, you are missing really what is the true intention of your being and why it is that you're supposed to be, you know, doing what you do on a day-to-day basis. You know, why you, what is your purpose on life, right? You know, what I did, the very first thing is I chose one person that was the most positive influence on my life, which was Ange, my girlfriend. Uh, I've known her since 1993. She's never misled me, always led me down a good path. So I chose her as the keystone to the next part of my life. That is the bent, that is the boop, the stake in the ground. Everything that uh, I come from friend-wise, like and creating my circle, needs to ha- involve her in it. And needs to have her in the center of it or around it. That's the most important part. Um, I dropped everybody else. And it's a harsh way to say it, but there's no other way to say it. You just move on. You grow up. You know, you think about uh, f- f- high school, you know, after high school, a lot of the people, they don't stick around. They try, they try to make it work and they try to like stay together, and do, do things, you know, outside. But it, it sometimes never happens. You just go on with your own life. Some people get married. Some people move for jobs. Some people go to schools. It, it's just hard to hold on, you know. And as adults, men or women, you're not supposed to hold on to people this long. You know, it's great to have lifelong friendships with one or two people. But can you have lifelong friendships with 20 people or 10 people? No, it's impossible. You can't spread yourself out that thin. You need to narrow it down, right? Happiness is not from an abundance of things. Happiness comes from an abundance of nothing, right? Your uh, true happiness in yourself is being content with wanting nothing and having nothing but what you are given you know, in life, you know, your personality and your, you know, your abilities and your talents and your, you know, these things that you're just given that you're just given, we take for granted. That's what truly makes you happy. And when you focus on those things, that's where you'll find your happiness. It's not in a lot of different things, cars and houses and a bunch of money and stuff. It's not in that. It's not in having a bunch of friends, right? What it is, is it's just being yourself and being content with yourself. Right. And the third thing I did was I had to make new friends based on two things that I found were important characteristics in people. And uh, I had to really think about that compare it to myself and where my life wanted, where I wanted to go with my life and where I'd been. And I found that the two uh, important factors are uh, character and vision. Right. So if someone has character and they have vision, then uh, that to me are the basis points. Of my of my friendship and future, right? Only think of the future, not the past. Go forward. Think of the forward, not the reverse. Um, how did keeping my friends small make me happy? All right, so I'm going to give you a few uh, a few things here. Uh, maybe like probably five. I'm going to guess five things that um, reasons why keeping your circle small will actually make you happier right now. Number one. Uh, When you keep your circle small, you actually have the chance to grow with some people, right? Or one person, right? You have a chance as you get older, you know, to actually grow and learn from each other. When you have a big group of people, everybody grows in different directions. It always happens. People go different directions. Um, And so you never really get a chance to uh focus in on any great qualities right so so you know when you have a smaller group you know just think about this when you were younger and um, go back to high school right you would spread your attention around to care about all your friends you had big circles of friends right so you'd, you'd be able to spread your attention you know remember those nights of like uh, uh you know right staying up late talking on the phone you know, or, you know, holding your friend's hair when they're drunk, right? Or just like the things that you would do to create that bond. And you would do that with a lot of different friends, right? You guys have a lot of different, maybe group friends, right? And in big groups, you might get close to one person, right? That, and that's supposed to how it is, but you spread your attention out and you start to realize that in the end, you just go to one person, right? So that's the secret to really being happy now in your life is to take away all of those excess people that you're having to spread attention to, right? That it's unnecessary. Think of all the people in your life you small chat with. Unnecessary, right? Think of all the people in, in your life you have deep, meaningful conversations with. Those are the people you need to keep in your circle. Everybody else, gone. You And when you do that, you create a tight value team, right? right, And then you actually start to value having a tight team, right? Think about that. You create a tight value team, right? Your team is small, so it's value, right? And then you start to realize the value of having that tight team by the chance that you get to actually know people and care about people long-term. But you also get to turn all that unwanted chit-chat attention to yourself, which is the secret to being happy, is being able to devote pure attention to yourself right number two the reason uh to have small circle of friends is that you can just be yourself right with a big circle you have to juggle tons of different personalities but when you have a small group with friends you are you have just a group of friends who are cool with you being you that's the most important part to being happy i know every part's important (laughs) Right. But that's an important part is that you're able to just be yourself. Right. Be changing your personality to match too many different people leads you to live fake lives. You don't want to live fake. You don't want to have to. You do you. We all know this person that wears something you can't tell them exactly how you think they look because they'll take it personal or their hair looks bad. You can't tell them this because they'll take it personal. Or they're raising their kids wrong. You can't tell them this because they take it personal, right? Those people you cannot have in your life. As close as they are. They could be friends, tight friends. They could be family. That's this and that, right? But if you cannot be yourself around these people, then you are wasting your life. Uh, When I was in prison in Mexico, I read a book called Man in Full by Tom Wolfe. And in that book, one of the characters uh, was reading a book in prison that was by a uh, philosopher, Epictetus. Epictetus was an old philosopher. He's like the same as uh, uh, Socrates and... um, uh, what's the other guy's? Seren Sorento, C- 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 or something? I can't remember his name. Anyway, there's a couple of good Stoic philosophers. It was Stoicism. That's where, that was my first introduction to Stoicism, actually. And he, there was a quote in there that Epictetus has said that uh, had said, um, it said, uh, you can you can't be a new man and still be loved by your old friends because your old friends will basically want the old person. It makes it easier to deal with. I'm paraphrasing that. Right? It makes it easier to deal with the old person, not the new person. right? And that's the thing. When, when you are yourself, you're in your purest form of honesty. And when you're there, uh, if people can't accept you, then you have to, have to move on. It's just the next step. Uh, number three, smaller groups, you're able to evolve together. Uh, what I've noticed here is that if you keep your circle small. You all grow and evolve together. Right, Bigger groups, some guys may get left behind technologically. They can't keep up. Or or physically, they can't keep up. Or mentally, anyway, right? You know, financially in some groups too, right? When you are in a smaller group, tighter knit, you guys evolve together. And as you do this together, you start to actually learn from the people around you, right? And bigger groups, uh, good thing about big groups and having big groups of people is that it's a super creative uh, environment you can stimulate new ideas listening a bunch of people's different ideas but it, that's really great for a creative but if you're looking for happiness in your life smaller the better right evolution and innovation is the key to the future right it's the su- key to success in the future is innovation so creating yourself being able to evolve with the people around you and grow as a strong team and weather through all these changes that are always happening in our life you'll be happier in the long run because you can be yourself and involve with other people who are being themselves and create uh, a great future for yourselves. Um, The other thing I think probably would be good for having a small uh, circle is support network. Um, You have a closer knit group, right? And it's a good support network. They understand you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to explain everything you do because they understand you already. With a bigger group, you have to have more explanations. You have to talk all the time. You have to always explain what you're doing. And sometimes repeating yourself is a way to really be unhappy, always repeating yourself, right? So when you have a smaller group, uh, you can. people will understand you and your group will support you, man, and you know, and you will be able to be yourself, right? Like being yourself and not explaining yourself feels good. You know, people can step up and say, yeah, I know, Mike. I know what you're going through. I I know you. Right? When someone says, I know you, and you believe it, it doesn't, doesn't that feel good? You know, when you can put your head on someone's shoulder and trust that they truly know you. Yeah, man. That's what the small circle provides. Big circles. Come on, let's go out and get drunk. Ah, let's all go out. La blah, blah, blah. blah right? That's fucking sweep things under the rug with bigger circles. You don't have a chance for intimacy with people. They don't get a chance to know you. They just teach you their bad habits on how to deal with stuff. All right. Number five, I guess, uh, in small groups, I'd say probably number five is, um, uh, in smaller groups, you can focus more on self-improvement and you can focus more on quality personal relationships, but self-improvement is really, really big, right? Um, being able to put half of your attention or most of your attention on yourself is uh, is really big and that's really what stoicism is all about like so stoics see the world as it is while pursuing self improvement that's the definition of stoicism basically right is seeing the world for what it is this is reality i live in covid i'm in the coronaville life sucks i have no job you know but amidst all this shit i'm going to focus on making myself better So, for me, myself, during this situation, and hopefully this helps you, I don't like to compare, but I am a wedding entertainer and DJ. Weddings are done for 2020. What do I do? Do I sit here for the next eight months or whatever it is, right? Eight months dwelling on the fact that I'm not going to do this anymore. Or do I say, you know what? Switch up careers. Let's switch up. And that's what I'm doing switching up careers, right? It's time to take a different path towards success. I'm still wanting success. And yes, I still want to be famous. And yes, I want to do this, right? But I have to change up in order to be happy, right? I have four virtues that I live with, right? One, it's using practical wisdom, right? So making calm decisions that are totally rational, even though I'm a complete fucking dreamer, right? I want to really uh, practice using wisdom. So I, you'll see me in the room a lot, the quiet one listening and observing and watching and learning. When someone's out there flailing or someone is out there being an ass or someone's out there angry, I learn from that person while I watch them, right? That helps me build myself and make myself better for my team and for my family, right? Um, The second virtue I have is courage, right? I try to do the right thing and face daily challenges with integrity and a clear mind. Every day I try to do the right thing, not just by myself, but by the number one person in my social circle, which is my girlfriend, Angela, right? Make sure not to bring her any stress. Make sure not to bring her any danger and grief, right? I try to do the right thing with my friends and with everybody in my business, right? Give back deposits, you know, if this pandemic happens, you know, honor what I try to do in business, right? I have a hard time sometimes with uh, honoring appointments because i have anxiety issues so i i have to i'm sometimes garnered by that sometimes i go into full-blown panic attacks not a lot all the time but sometimes it happens so i try to honor everything right face my daily challenges 100 percent. there is a daily we live in a daily challenge right now Uh, Number third virtue I live by is justice, dude straight up treating every human being fairly regardless of their stature in life is number one most important part, don't judge, don't be racist, right, don't do it, we're not those people, we don't want it to happen to us, don't do it to other people, everybody deserves to be heard, everybody deserves a chance for a second chance, everybody deserves a chance at redemption, everybody deserves a chance to become your friend don't shut them down just for what you think is something about them all right and when you do that you'll be happy man everyone deserves justice number four virtue i live by is temperance dude temperance exercising self-control all the time not flipping out punching out freaking out exercise self-control and moderation Don't do too many drugs. Don't do everything by excess. Don't buy. Don't try to make too much money. Don't try to spend too much money. Do everything in moderation in all aspects of life. Those four virtues, dude. Think about it. Practical wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. Right? Those are the four virtues I live by every day. And that's what causes me to always be happy. It's what caused me to get out of this life of crime and into a just a more pro-social life that I feel good about. And it's only getting better and better. When you live by virtues and any kind of virtues, whatever you suffer, you could set those for yourself or set your own, right? But when you create virtues for yourself, you know, you create these rules that you live by. You will start finding that happiness will come naturally. You won't even have to try to find it because you will be living in this Bubble of self-awareness and confidence that you never had before. Listen, getting rid of people isn't just for high school students, all right? It allows you to do the things that will make you the happiest, which number one should be thinking about yourself and self-improving. To find happiness, need to find you need to find yourself. When you focus on others, you can't figure yourself out. Self-improvement is the key to being successful. Whatever success is to you, I don't know whether it's money or it's job success, whatever it is, self-improvement is the key to finding that success. I hope you guys take this prison rule, don't make friends. Don't make friends in prison, all right? That's rule number. That should be one, but that's a big one. But not only not don't make friends, but just be very cautious of the friends around you and limit yourself and limit your circle. I really appreciate you guys listening. Please subscribe to anything I'm doing, whether it's Crowbar City Online, or if it's uh, or if it's anything with my name on it. Right? Please go to the Crowbar City podcast and and subscribe to us there. Check out all the content we have. We got great podcasts coming up. Uh, we've got great podcasts of criminals talking to criminals uh, and just really digging deep into the minds of psychopaths, sociopaths, and also all around great guys so join me for those podcasts coming up uh, very shortly but this has been Prison Rules I hope you guys all have a great weekend and I'll see you again